Hello, my name is Isaac Keith Martinez, and welcome to Isaac's Haunted Beard. Today we're going to talk about the film Mannequin 2, On the Move. Ooh, no, as it turns out, today's not the day to talk about that film. I made a mistake, I, I apologize. No, hey, hey, today I make my big return. It's been a while since I've done one of these episodes. Have you missed me? Have you missed my haunted voice? Well, today, instead of talking about one movie, I will lightly touch upon a bunch of movies as I will share with you some of my film highlights from the past two months. Yes, this episode was published in June 2021, so I'm going to talk about April and May 2021. Very lightly. going to barely talk about these movies. I just want to like share with you some thoughts. I started April on April 1st, revisiting the 1986 horror film, April Fool's Day. And if you, if you've never seen that movie, uh, I recommend it. I think it's fun. It's got a great cast, a lot of familiar faces. It's got some cool practical effects. And there's some neat little twists and turns. Uh, that's it. <laughs> I'm not going to review this movie. I kind of feel like you've already seen it or you know what it's about. I just wanted to share with you that I, I watched April Fool's Day, which is a thing that I tend to do, which is the thing that a bunch of you do as, as well, right? We, we watch movies on what I like to refer to as movie holidays, either movies that take place on actual holidays, you know, like like Halloween, or, or movies that take place like on the same day that the movie takes place on. So, um, speaking of which, I want to give you a heads up. The next movie holiday that's significant to me is June 19th. I consider that maximum overdrive day. And uh, I'm a huge fan of Stephen King's Mac maximum overdrive. So if you want to watch that movie on the day that that movie starts to take place on, you know, in the movie, it's June 19th. So I'm just going to immediately move on. On April 6th, I watched The Relic. I like to give a shout out to my friends, John Paul and Kylie. Some, some good pals I've met on the Twitters. I saw them singing the praises of this movie. And I had not seen it since the late 90s. So I thought it was fun to revisit it seemed like a fun idea because, and it was, it, it was, it's a good movie. Um, but I was inspired by their enthusiasm and it's funny. Cause like, I love when I see a movie like from like a long time ago and I have this memory of thinking it was just okay. And then I see it again, many, many, many years later and I changed my mind for the better. I mean, that's always the best case scenario, right? You don't want to like be like, oh, and it's worse than I remember it. I mean, that's the worst case scenario is that it disappoints you. But, um, you know, I think I thought it was just fine when I first saw it. But it, it played really well. And um, it's a creature feature. And the monster is um, in a museum. <laughs> and that doesn't that sound like fun? In the first time I saw this movie, a friend of mine lent it to me on VHS back when it was new. I used to be friends with this old lady who used to like, 
um, lend me movies on VHS back in the late nineties. And I never had any control over what she would lend me. She would just give me things and say, here, watch this. And there were always movies that were like, there was no, like, they didn't seem to match. None of the films seemed to match each other. They were just kind of all over the place. And the relic was one of the movies that she lent me and she loved it. And I, I'll never forget what she said about it. Cause she was trying to explain to me that there was a monster in, in, in the film. And she was, you know, trying to impress impress upon me that the movie had some really cool special effects. And, uh, I'll never forget. She goes, Spielberg wishes he made this movie. <laughs> um, it's a good movie. I'm sure Steven Spielberg doesn't care <laughs> that he didn't make the relic. Uh, let's move on, shall we? On April 14th, I watched a really cool double feature. One movie I've seen before, one movie I haven't seen before. Uh, they're both action films with um, starring, you know, kind of older men. Actually, that's not kind of fair. One of them, although we think of him as an older man when we think of most of his movies, he's not as older in this film. And that's Violent City starring Charles Bronson. It's kind of a younger Charles Bronson. But yeah, right? When you think of Charles Bronson, don't you picture him as like a middle-aged older man? And the other film is Malone starring Burt Reynolds. They're both really good. Uh, I had a really weird experience with Violent City. I'm not going to tell you about the plot. I do recommend it. Check it out if you ever get the chance to. But I, I'd rather more focus on my silly viewing experience watching Violent City. Um, the movie kept going back and forth between English and Italian. Like Charles Bronson would be talking to somebody in English. And then just like the next sentence, he just starts talking in Italian, which is confusing and annoying <laughs> because it meant that I would have to keep turning on the subtitles. And, um, and the thing is like, I feel like I know what you're going to say. You'd be like, why didn't you just leave the subtitles on? I'm not one of those people. Like I know there's a, this phenomenon where there's like tons of people out there who watch every movie with subtitles on. And I'm not one of those people. If it's in English, I'd rather not have the subtitles there. I, I, I feel like I can follow people's, you know, talking fairly well. Um, you know, I'd rather not have more visual information on the screen than what's supposed to be there. But yeah, so because I don't like them, I turn it off once he starts speaking English again. But um, it was I didn't get it. So I went on Twitter the next day and explained this situation. I'm like, why did this happen? And I got a great answer from its ghoul basement. He said that the movie that I the version that I watched was a director's cut. And um, in the scenes that were restored, because it's originally a film that was made for Italy. Those scenes were never dubbed into English. And that's why those scenes were in Italian. And I guess part of the reason why I'm telling the story is that I appreciate that about film Twitter is that, you know, there's a lot of friendly people on there who are much smarter than me and are very 
um, they're quick to share information if you know you ask. So I, I really like that. I like learning stuff like that. Malone is a movie from the 80s. I think like mid to late 80s. And oh, one of the things I really like about Malone, Malone feels like a 70s film. And Burt Reynolds is really cool in it. He he, Because I'm used to Burt Reynolds being really like a smart aleck, which I like about him. Uh, you know, I love Burt Reynolds' personality. In Malone, he's very quiet. He gives a very, like, quiet, calm, cool performance, which actually reminds me of Charles Bronson. So when I watched Violent City, when it was done, I felt like, con you know, continuing my evening, like, oh, I should watch another movie. What would complement Violent City? And I, I thought, ooh, Malone, because I'd seen it before. Like Malone kind of feels like a Charles Bronson film. So it's kind of like watching a Charles Bronson film without Charles Bronson. Seemed like a good idea to me, and it was. They, they worked well together. On April 25th, <laughs> I watched Heavenly Bodies and Hard Bodies. Okay, I do stuff like that. I'll do two films back to back that what they have in common is like they share a word. <laughs> That's cheesy, but it's kind of fun. Like, it's not a guarantee that the movies are going to complement each other, but it's it, sometimes it's just simply an experiment, especially if you don't have a good idea of what you want to watch next and you're committed to the concept of doing a double feature. It at least, you know, pushes you into a direction. And then if you share with people what movies you watch, like I do on Twitter, when I do my tweets, so I say last night's double feature, it does look funny in, in, in print, right? Heavenly Bodies and Hard Bodies. <laughs> um, and they're not really the same type of feeling. Like one's a comedy and one's more of a, I guess, drama. Like Hard Bodies is a, a, a comedy and Heavenly Bodies is more of a drama. And I, I, you know, I, I like them both, I guess. Hard Bodies, I think I like a little bit more because it's like a tacky comedy. Um, Heavenly Bodies is like one of those dramas where it's aged in such a way where you look at it now, it's like, oh, I'm supposed to really take this seriously because it's kind of an absurd concept. Um, <laughs> it's a movie about like warring aerobics studios and... The movie, the the final act in the film, and I'm bringing, I'm talking about this double feature specifically because I wanted to touch upon this. The final act of the film, to settle the war between the two aerobic studios, so that there'd just be only one, is they have a marathon exercise contest where people who represent both studios will start exercising at the same time in the same area and they just keep going until they get tired and then if they get tired they quit and then the people who don't quit continue to exercise and the idea is that if this should happen to go on for many hours eventually you'll get exhausted 
and you will quit and leave the competition, right? Until there's just two people left and then eventually one person wins. <laughs> now, they, in, this, in this movie, they do this contest on TV. So like, <laughs> I know you're not supposed to overthink these kinds of things, but like if this were real life, I'd be thinking a couple of things. Like for instance, who would show this marathon on TV? Like the whole thing. Like if the idea is that, cause in the movie, this marathon goes on for hours and hours. Like it starts off in the daytime. It goes late into the night. Who would want to show that? Who would give valuable airtime to this contest? Also, who would watch it? Would this get a lot of viewers? It just seems like a weird thing to have on TV. <laughs> but anyway, on April 27th, I did a triple feature of superhero films. Okay, I'm going to tell you what movies they were. Then I'm going to tell you what I think people would think of these specific titles being grouped together. And then I'll give you my reaction to them. First film was Fantastic Four, the version from 2015. The second film was Green Lantern. Third film was Catwoman. Okay. Um, I'm aware. I, I'd never seen these movies before. I, I'm aware of the reputations. I'm aware that they're not popular and that they're considered bad superhero films. And I do like superhero films. And I'm aware that, you know, some of them aren't so good. Um... And, and, and these had the reputation of being bad ones. So <laughs> I was still curious because like sometimes I'm curious simply because I think, is there something there that can be salvaged? Because I do believe in the it's so bad, it's good possibility. And I wasn't sure if these movies had that quality. I thought there was a there was a slight chance, you know, um, or. And here's something else I was willing to entertain because there's a lot of movies that I love that I know I'm in the minority about loving them. I love some really hated films. I thought, what if my opinion would be different? What if I'd end up liking these movies? So I shouldn't just go into each movie expecting them to be as bad as their reputations. Well, as it turns out, and <laughs> you're going to be like, dude, you're nuts. I didn't think any of them were bad. And yes, even Catwoman. <laughs> I thought they were just okay. But because they're movies that involve like superheroes and like, you know, weird backstories and crazy villains and weird costumes, an okay movie with that kind of element attached to it is more entertaining to me than some other kinds of movies that are just okay. Um, and Fantastic Four, for most of it, it didn't even really feel like a superhero movie. That version of it just felt like more like it leans to being more like a science fiction movie. A lot of them were fine. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't buy them. I don't need to see them again, but I didn't hate them. So I, I thought, well, why did people hate them? Now, I'm a horror movie fan, and like a lot of horror movie fans, we like good horror films, and we also love bad horror films. Like, we have fun watching bad horror films, but also 
it's not just that we're forgiving, but we, we have a way of finding the good, like doing a spin on it in our mind. Like we can explain to people who, who don't see anything redeemable about some of these movies. And we can explain why we're attracted to them, what we find entertaining about them. So we typically do like bad movies and, and as a genre fan and as a cult movie fan, I have watched many films on purpose that are considered bad because we can still find something entertaining about them. So it's that mindset that I have that has the ability to watch these quote unquote bad superhero movies and still find them entertaining. Now, if I can do it, why can't people who are just all in on superhero movies? I know that the comic book people are very, um, uh, they don't like it when people make movies that poorly adapt the source material. They're very precious about that, and they tend to be very judgmental. So I get that. Um, I don't read comics. I have no relationship to the stories. I don't care. I treat each movie as a movie. Um, but yeah, and also it seems as though a lot of the superhero fans, and I apologize if I'm speaking for you, if you feel like I'm speaking for you and I'm, I'm missing the mark, I'm willing to accept that. I'm just guessing here. That's all I'm doing. I'm guessing that maybe they feel that these, you know, attempts of telling these specific stories because they missed the mark, they somehow feel like it misrepresents them as fans. And they don't like that. <laughs> I don't think any, I mean, I'm just guessing here. I don't think I was really judging you as a fan based on these movies that came out. I think that, I think that these movies are, I think this genre is safe. <laughs> it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. So if a bad one comes out, either if it's bad because people react to it as bad or because it just underperformed at the box office, uh, they're still going to make a bunch more. <laughs> it doesn't matter. And Whatever people think about you, I mean, they already think it. it's not going to change one way or another. Maybe it sounds like I'm just talking out of my butt here. <laughs> I hope I'm making my point clearly. In my mind, it makes sense. But I, sometimes I understand that it doesn't come out correctly. And I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm just, what a weird thing to try and do, right? Um, it almost sounds like I'm just being, um, I'm making excuses, right? Like I'm defending how I didn't. Like people, people find out that you watch these three movies and they think that I'm just like inflicting self-torture and they want me to hate them. And I didn't. So, meh, there, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. The last thing I want to talk about for April was the 28th of April. I watched the 2020 version of The Invisible Man and I had avoided that. I don't know why. I just felt like I thought I wouldn't like it, but uh, I loved it. <laughs> you have a chance to see the invisible man i highly recommend it it's really good it's such a smart take on the story and for the record just in case you're curious i did do a double feature and i did it with the incredibly excuse me the incredible melting man <laughs> see i did it just like heavenly bodies and hard bodies what do they have in common the word the the word man <laughs> the fact that the um ad um <laughs> adjective is like um Starts with the letter I, invisible, incredible. <laughs> so dumb. 
and they couldn't be i mean their genre they're both you know, like horror films or genre films but like you know they couldn't be more different than that one's like a current film that's very polished and the other one's like the 70s movie that's like really low budget but like wonderful special effects were what they're trying to accomplish and that is creating the namesake of the movie the incredible melting man boy does he melt he goes into space apparently he sees something in space like his whole crew does and all the other members of his crew die and these aren't spoilers this happens in the opening credits he's the only astronaut that survives the flight and he comes back and he just starts melting so yeah check that one out too if you like well that's what i was talking about earlier with bad movies because i think if i'm not mistaken it's considered a bad movie but i think it's fun there you go now let's move on to may shall we I don't have as many things to talk about for May. I mean, I had I watched a bunch of great stuff in May, but it doesn't mean I want to talk about each one in this episode. I do want to bring up that I, I got to see Tenet on April 5th, and I went into it aware that people said it was very confusing. And I, I'm here to say that if that's what's keeping, if you're curious about that movie, but you're like on the fence about it, or you're just, you're kind of, kind of wanting to avoid it because you don't want to be you don't find it entertaining to watch a confusing movie i'm not going to pretend like i'm mr super smart guy but i didn't think it was that confusing but having said that it's not an easy movie to explain and i think that's part of the problem people think that if it's not easy to explain then it's therefore it's confusing i i disagree i think that you can understand a movie or feel like you understand a movie while you're watching it even if you can't clearly explain it to another person if you have to talk about it um <laughs> but it's got some really cool action scenes there's a wonderful car chase um you probably have seen trailers and seen footage of things going backwards it has a lot to do with like some time travel and some backward stuff uh i liked it <laughs> anyway whatever i mean form your own opinion watch it and see and it doesn't sound like a ringing endorsement like form your own opinion <laughs> well shit. Uh, anybody can do that right but i'm saying that uh it is good i think it's good so there Oh, this one's interesting. On April 14th, I watched Arrival for the first time, and I really, really liked it. You guys know the movie club? The Attic Dwellers, Tegan Eric? Once a week, they do a show on YouTube where one member of the Attic Dwellers recommends a film that the other member of the Attic Dwellers has never seen before. So it's a first-time viewing. They watch it. They report back a few days later, and then they record their conversation about it, and these are really wonderful conversations because not only i mean for starters these two guys are very charming and they're funny and they're cool they're charismatic but they're also very smart they bring a lot to the table so they don't just so like the things they pick on uh pick up on um is just fascinating to listen to so i've been enjoying um watching the movie because they tell you let's say next week you're going to watch this movie so you you can watch it ahead of time so that you can get in on the conversation and um, not have spoilers ruined for you 
so one of them was Arrival, and I really, 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 really liked Arrival a lot. I mean, so far, all the movies they've picked have been really good. Um, Arrival was really good, and the, <laughs> the whole point of this long-winded story is that uh, I like when I see a movie, and I like it so much that I think, man, I'd love to own that movie. I want, I want, you know, you can like a movie and go, that's fine. I don't need to own it. It doesn't need to be in my permanent collection. But then there's other movies where you go, I would own, I would buy that movie. <laughs> now, a lot of people, uh, for, for them, buying a movie is like nothing. They can just go, well, heck, I'll just go on the internet right now and order it from Amazon.com. I'm not one of those people. <laughs> I used to be kind of, I used to, I used to buy a lot of stuff. I don't do that anymore. Um, I can't really, I mean, not to be honest with you, I wish I could. I can't really afford to do that. And this is not meant to be like a boohoo kind of story, but I have to slow down, slow down and I have to be very careful. I have to be really picky about, um, about what I pick, about what I buy. So when I see something like Arrival, that makes me go, I would buy that. The next thought I have is eh, one day, who knows when, <laughs> probably, you know, five years from now, <laughs> which sounds like an exaggeration, but no, maybe, maybe five years from now, I'll be like, oh, arrival, like come across it in a store or whatever, or remember that I wanted to own it and finally put down the money to buy it. But the next, the very next day after I saw arrival, I was at Walmart and it was kismet because I found it in the bargain bin of Blu-rays. So uh, not only did I get it the very next day, but I got it at a sweet deal, which is like really exciting because when you find something that you just fell in love with seconds ago, you're like, this is the thing that's currently on my mind the most. And then now you own it. It's even more rewarding. So that's my story about Arrival. On May 20th, I did a good double feature of The Long Kiss Goodnight and The Last Boy Scout. You guys know these movies, right? I feel like you do. Long Kiss Goodnight, um, Gina Davis is a woman who has amnesia and she hires a private investigator played by Samuel L. Jackson to see if he can dig up any information about her past. And as it turns out, what he finds out is that, well, for starters, I just want to mention that she's like a real, like, mom, like school teacher type. As it turns out, she's an assassin. <laughs> it's from the nineties. You got to see, I, I liked it. I highly recommend it. I'm just going to mention one more movie and then we're going to wrap it up here. This is a very casual conversation. On May 23rd, I watched the 1986 movie. I think it's from 86. Forgive me if I'm wrong. It's called rad <laughs> and it's about BMX. Uh, competitive BMX racers. And um, the only reason I want to bring it up, if you've never seen Rad, it's worth watching for this. The whole thing is actually pretty fun, but it's worth watching for the bicycle boogie scene. And yes, you heard that correct. There is a scene where two, um, a, a guy and a girl, they attend like a school dance and they ride their bicycles into the school, on, into the onto the dance floor, and they hold hands while they're riding their bikes and while they're riding bikes they're doing tricks to the song send me an angel 
and um <laughs> it's really great you got to see it it's 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 tacky but i'm a sucker for tacky and you're a sucker for tacky too because you like me and i'm tacky thanks for welcoming me back into your world by sharing letting me share with you a little bit of my world next week we'll actually talk about just one single movie and return to our normal format thank you for letting me spend time with you i really appreciate it i love talking movies and i like you so until next week take care of yourself and take care of each other aloha